Father God, thank you so much for Dave. Thank you for um, the life that he's living for you and the, the way that you've saved him. And Lord, I pray that um, yeah, your grace and your love and your power uh, would speak through him to us by your Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Tom. It's very good to be here. And uh, you're amazing, aren't you? You've just kind of lived through a building project and are living through a building project. You've been patient and kind and long-suffering. And, um, and some people have worked really hard, particularly, I know, Deborah and Ed have. So thanks so much. Um, it's going to be amazing, isn't it? I mean, I hardly noticed walking in there's anything different, to be honest. Um, today, we're, we're coming to the end of a little series you've been on about um, that great cloud of witnesses in Hebrews chapter 11. Um, all that the people that have inspired and encouraged us along the way and still do. And landing today on Hebrews chapter 12, about the, the, the greatest witness of all, actually, which is Jesus. And um, so Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3, probably going to come up on the screen there, and uh, I'll maybe read it from my phone. Therefore, since we've also such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance, the sin so, that so easily entangles us. Let's run with endurance the race that lies before us keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I mean, think back to the last time you, you ran a race. I mean, some of you are runners. Who's a runner in the building today? Yeah, the good, good, good cluster of runners, aren't there? I mean, some of you may not have run since you were at primary school, I don't know, <laughs> which, which is a long time ago, I know. But um, just think back to what, to what it was like r running a race. I mean, if it was a sprint, you needed to get a good start, didn't you? And picturize where you're going. If it was a, a long-distance race, you're probably going to hit a wall at some point. It's going to be really hard to keep going. If you're in a big competitive race like the Bristol 10K, you were probably encouraged by the crowd. And, and actually to be cheered on by, by a crowd is brilliant. And probably there was some kind of reward for you in the running. It may have been just kind of meeting your personal best. Anyone, anyone, do you do that? You just want to, I want to just do better than last time. Or it may be a more altruistic reward. You've been running for charity, you know, and that's what it is. But um, this picture of the Christian life as a, as a race is a very... Pervasive one, actually, in the New Testament. Paul is, is particularly likes these athletic images, doesn't he? And, and about running a race. But it, it really makes a lot of sense to, to us as we think about something that has a beginning and needs to be pursued and persevered in, and there's an end and a goal in sight. And, and, and the Christian life, I would say, it is like a race, but it's not really about us. It's about him. It's about Jesus. In fact, today it's all about Jesus. And, and the first thing to say about the Christian life as a, as a race is that we're following someone who's gone ahead of us. And Jesus actually is our example in the race. I think Jesus himself had a, a goal to, to endure. He was born, as we think of Advent, Jesus came into the world, born as a, as a little baby, and then living a life that was going to be one of constant faithfulness to his Father in heaven resisting the temptations and pressures that came at him in all kinds of ways all the time and actually setting his 
face like a flint. You know, when we think about fixing our eyes on Jesus, Jesus fixed his eyes on the goal, which was to go through the cross into that resurrection life. That the, he knew the Father had held out for him so that we could be set free from the things that break, hurt, and entangle us. And it's wonderful to feel that when in our race, we're actually almost in the slipstream of Jesus. You know, if you're a, a cyclist like Ed, uh, if you get behind a kind of lorry, I don't know whether you do that, but you probably find that it's a lot easier because the, the lorry is, you're in the slipstream of the lorry, it's doing the hard work of breaking down the resistance. And actually, we're all in the slipstream of Jesus. We, we couldn't live the Christian life unless Jesus had lived it. <laughs> And we're just following him. And what's more, he's not left us to do it on our own like orphans without power, but he's given us the power of the Spirit to run that race. But this, these few verses in Hebrews chapter 3 speak about some of the distractions that come. Now, I don't know, have you ever been to a kind of junior school event? It might be a race or a school play or whatever. And uh, your child has got distracted by the audience. You know, can you imagine a little one running a race? There's mummy. Hello, mummy. And meanwhile, I'm going to stream past them. It does happen, doesn't it? Or that, <laughs> that kind of in the school play and you're standing there on stage <laughs> and you've forgotten your lines because you're, you're, you're distracted by the audience. And um, part of what we have as a, in this, this passage, we have got this great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on. But our job is not to be distracted by the audience, but be encouraged by them. And I don't know what it means to be distracted by the audience in the Christian life. I mean, sometimes we can fall into the comparison trap. And um, we can compare ourselves with people and, and feel so diminished by what we compare ourselves with, you know, that we think, oh, I can't really do this, I'm not a proper Christian, and get, actually get discouraged rather than encouraged. Sometimes we can get discouraged, we, we can get just kind of distracted just by the stuff of life. I mean, it's something that Jesus was very alive to in the parable of the cell where he talks about the, the kind of seed that's, that's, that's dropped onto the different soils and, and, and how we can let that grow. That's another picture of the Christian life. This time, not a race, but so much as something that grows. And it talks about the, the fact that the, the worries and riches of this life can choke the seed and make it unfruitful. And I think the worries and riches of life can both be distractions that can stop us fixing our eyes on Jesus. Anxiety is a very noisy thing, isn't it? It can rob us of peace. It can rob us of prayer, even. Sometimes we don't want to pray because we don't want to think about the thing we're feeling anxious about. <laughs> and, and pleasures can, can rob us of... Uh, they can distract us from following Jesus. We can be, be drawn into all kinds of, of, of pleasures and, and hobbies. And sometimes um, good things can be the enemies of the best thing. There are lots of good things that God has for us. One of the things I've, I've noticed, actually, on the subject of running, several times in my community house where I live, I've, I've had community members who've really got into physical fitness and running. And life is busy. And I remember one person in particular, particular who was trained to be a barrister. And it's really tough work trained to be a barrister. And, um, but they really got into physical fitness and what they would do would be a lot of running and a lot of study. But their spiritual life, they just kind of cut out. It's kind of like, oh, I haven't got time for this because I need to, to, 
to study and I want to keep fit and I want to train my body, which is great. But they, they actually stopped worshipping. And actually, they have actually completely detached from church and community. And I just really don't know where they are in their spiritual life now. And it's not that training wasn't, wasn't a, a good thing to do, but it was just a distraction for them from an even better thing to do because the big goal of life isn't just physical fitness because our bodies are going to wear out, but our souls are going to go on forever. Now, I think that, that single-mindedness following Jesus, pursuing him, actually starts on the inside. Sometimes it's a danger for religious people, for Christian people, to feel that to be single-minded means to somehow become very detached from the world, to become, you know, very exclusive. And we're not really going to connect with this wicked world in case we get distracted from following Jesus. But I think that the, the heart of the good news of Jesus is that we have that inner life with him that our focus is internal rather than external. And because we've made time in the secret place to fix our eyes on him, we can go into the public place and still be his witnesses and still be running towards him and serving him in the lives that we lead. And that's how Jesus himself lived, wasn't it? Jesus never withdrew from the world. In fact, he was known for being worldly. You know, his reputation was he hangs out with the drunks and the gluttons. He's a glutton and a wine bearer. That was his reputation. But we also know that for Jesus, for him running his race was the secret place. That up early in the morning, praying, listening to his father and obeying him. And we're called to do the same. So that, that secret history with God is part of what running the race really means for us. So that's the first thing about what it means to be in this race of the Christian life. That we're actually following someone who's gone ahead of us. Faced his walls, faced his fears. And kept faithful to his father. And bought us redemption. But the second thing about the, the Christian life, I suppose, that Hebrews says is, it, it says that Jesus is the founder or the author of our faith. He's actually, we're not just running behind him, he's kicked us off. He's been there at the, he's fired the starting gun. He's the, 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 the foundation of it. And we build our lives, our Christian life, this race of discipleship on who Jesus is. His work, his gifts. He is the foundation stone, and, and we need to get to know him. And for me, I, I feel that the best definition of a Christian is to be a little Christ, someone who imitates him. And that imitation of Christ cuts both into our character and our conduct. So the Christian life, it's a pretty high bar, isn't it? But as we... As we get to know Jesus, as we get to know him through reading scripture, looking at his life, and through letting the Holy Spirit bring all those things to life, and then, then we, we, re, we realize that I can imitate Jesus with the help of the Holy Spirit. And that's why the fruit of the Holy Spirit that grows in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, those things are meant through the, through the run of life to increase I hope that at the end of my life, I'll be a bit more patient and kind than I am now. I hope that I will be more loving. And life has a, a, a tendency, if you're not following this way of love, to diminish you, to make you bitter, to make you less kind, to make you less loving, to make you more protective. 
But if you follow the way of love, I think the call of God is to expand our lives so that this fruit grows. And, and that's a wonderful thing. But we can't do it without the help of the Holy Spirit. So we need him in our lives. And then to fulfill the call and mission of Jesus, to do the things that he did, we also need the work of the Spirit. Jesus is always setting us challenges that are too hard for us, on purpose, because he knows that the way that we're going to run this Christian life is through dependency on him, through the life of the Spirit. So he's our foundation. And that's why the Christian life begins with be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're going to go on this race, you need something for the journey. And Jesus told his disciples when he gave them a ridiculous challenge, you know, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. That's a big challenge. It's an impossible challenge. So the call to go was followed by a call to stay. Stay in Jerusalem till you're clothed with power from on high. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that helps us reproduce that life of Jesus, right at the heart of our calling as a community of believers. So, he's the one that ran the race that we're in his slipstream. He's the one that started the race, and everything that we do builds on him. The author, the beginner. For me, I came to faith because the God I believed in, the God I knew about, became personal when I realized that Jesus died for me on the cross. And I could have a loving relationship with my Father in heaven because he'd taken away my shame and rescued me from things that were too strong for me. He's the absolute foundation. But he's also the one I'm running towards. He's the both and Jesus, the beginning and the end, the alpha, the omega, the author and perfecter. And we're going to run towards him if we love him. Just a couple of years ago, I interviewed a woman called Rosemary Johnson at Woody's. And she was really a key part of our congregation. In fact, she sort of looked after our newcomers process. And she had cancer. She had esophageal cancer. And she was, she, she'd been a very experienced clinician in, in NHS. She knew she was going to die. And I interviewed her on the stage at Woody's. And she gave us a little talking to. You know, she'd say, come on, guys. You've got to make room in your life for people. Uh, who, are, who are seeking Jesus. And she, she, but she said, um, when you run a, she was just talking about where she was going to be with the Lord in just a couple of weeks' time. And she said, when you run a race, at the end, you speed up. And for her, it was saying, I'm running towards Jesus. And the reason she could say that with that kind of confidence was because Jesus wasn't just a philosophy that she followed but Jesus was a person that she knew and loved. And in a sense, she could say with Paul, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. It's an inc incredible witness to us as a community. And, um, and actually, Jesus is our reward. And if we are going to keep running the race and run right through the end, it's so important to keep our first love for Jesus alive and to keep him really present, to taste his presence, to, to say, I see you in part now, but one day I'll see you face to face. And that relationship with Jesus makes us hungry for God. And I, I don't know how you keep your relationship with Jesus alive. I know in, in my loving relationships, I keep those relationships alive by 
spending time, by making myself vulnerable. And it's the same with God, actually. Spending time with Jesus, making myself vulnerable to him, is what I need to do. And worship, you know? It's uh, that life of worship. So you're a worshipping church. It's lovely to worship with you this morning, actually. It's exciting. I wasn't singing that new song. I stepped out of the grave. And um, what a great song for a baptism. I'm really looking forward to it. What a great song about the race that we're in. You know, um, you know uh, I was chained, but you set me free because Jesus sets us free to run with him. And along the way, it's great to have heroes and examples. And I guess that's what you've been looking at over the last few weeks, some of the, the heroes. And maybe you've got heroes and examples who encourage you. And those people are great to be with. Actually, I love to be with people where I've, I sense, when I'm with them, I'm also with Jesus. It's a wonderful thing. But everybody who's a follower of Jesus knows that at the end of the day, it's all about him. It's not about them. And any human being may let you down. Jesus follows it, didn't they? They let him down. And I, I may let you down. Actually, your leaders here may let you down because we're, we're human beings. And when we don't let you down, when we encourage you, it's because of the grace of God. One of the people who, who, who I really um, was so helped with in my Christian journey, John Wimber, always used to say when he was praised you know, and thanked, he said, I'll take the encouragement, but I'll pass on the glory. And we can do that. We, we want to take the encouragement as, as clouds of witnesses and present witnesses too, encouraging people on. We pass on the glory because today is all about Jesus. Today it's all about Jesus who's the beginning and the end. The one who we follow, the one who endured the cross, despising its shame to set us free. The one who gave himself for us, the one who keeps giving himself for us, the one who is the lover of our souls. And, um, yeah. And even baptising someone today, when Lord gets baptised, it is about her, it's a special day for her, but it's really about him as well. It's about what he's doing in her. And um, we're his people today, so I'm going to pray. And, um, and it may be that for you, actually right now, running, running the race is a bit challenging. There may be an entanglement of some sort. Just some, some relationship or some issue or some sickness or some anxiety that's getting in the way. Father God, where, where we're entangled, where we maybe, maybe it's even actually a, a sin or a habit that, that just brings us down. Lord, will you today bring us your mercy, your forgiveness, your healing, so that we can run that race. Lord God, if we need encouragement today, we thank you, God, we've got role models and examples throughout history and today who are cheering us on, but we thank you that the greatest encourager of all is our Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit, who is the encourager who comes into our hearts. And we pray today, Lord, you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit. We welcome you here. Amen.